What's happening, y'all? Welcome inside the Fantasy Stock Exchange. Danny and Bush coming at you with the final rookie RB rankings for the Dynasty Fantasy Football offseason. The NFL draft is three days away from today. We're going to be coming at you today with our top five rookie running back rankings. We spent months upon end uh, talking about these guys. We're going to do the same thing with wide receivers. That video will be coming out later today. And these are our top fives. The rest of our rankings are available on Patreon. If you're interested in our other positions, we're just going to talk running back and wide receivers today. Um, didn't have enough time to get to the quarterbacks and tight end rankings and all that kind of stuff. But if you want yeah. them, they're available on Patreon. Like I said, if you guys enjoy this video at any point, like comment, subscribe, let us know who we're too high on, who we're too low on down below in the comment section. As of right now, we're still not at 10,000 subscribers as we're recording this. Maybe we've hit it by the time this video drops. But uh, if you haven't already done so, like I said, hit the subscribe button. Danny, how are you doing? Doing well, doing well. And yeah, you guys are going to see a ton of content leading up to the draft, probably about two videos per day up until Thursday. And quite frankly, man, we're trying to hit that 10K. We're trying to hit that 10K by that draft stream. So not only are we going to be drinking in celebration of that draft, we're going to be drinking in celebration of 10,000 subscribers. Contribute to the cause if you guys are watching this and haven't already done so. As Corey said, hit that button. But yeah, we're just going to provide our final thoughts on this running back class, our final top five going into the draft. And before we get in, into anything, I'm just going to quickly say a lot of this could be subject to change, specifically the guys lower on this list due to draft capital, due to projected workload. Because, I mean, that's just the nature of the running back position. You could be as good as you could possibly want a, a mid-round sleeper to be, but they're not in a projectable volume situation. Like, they're going to be uh, valued differently to us. Yeah, the wide receivers will probably be a lot less subject 100%. to change than the running back position because typically, you know, there's not three running backs on the field at the same time like there is wide receivers. So um, before we get into all that, let's hit the intro. All right, so the first guy that we're going to talk about, probably the guy that you guys know we're going to talk about if you've been paying attention around here this offseason, Brees Hall, running back from Iowa State, is both of our RB1s. For these guys, like we said, we've talked about these guys for like three, four months now. We had a video uh, with Graham Barfield of yards, um, the yards created and fantasy points talking about these running backs in recent days. We also did a matchmaker video with Angelo Fantasy as well if you want to check both of those videos out. But the pros and cons of Brees Hall is pretty simple. This is a three-down back production uh, analytics score off the chart, great athlete, very elusive, good, uh, you know, scoring ability. He currently holds the FBS record for most consecutive games with a touchdown. The only weaknesses that we saw in Brees Hall's game was some of the physicality nature of his game. And then Graham Barfield, uh, as well as us saw some, a little bit of hesitancy with patient running backs. Sometimes they can be a little bit too patient. And then he also does need some work and pass protection as well. But for the most part, this is a pretty complete prospect. Just a couple little hiccups here and there. He is the current 101 according to keep trade cut underdog ADP right now of 61 and a half. If you guys are doing big board drafts right now, Brees Hall at the 101 is that, you know, are you comfortable taking him there regardless of where he goes, as long as he goes, you know, in the top two rounds of the draft? Yeah. I mean, re reasonably, I mean, his expected draft capital is around that, you know, top 40 type of range. Obviously, I mean, given an extenuating circumstance, if he went, you know, 64th overall and maybe a less than ideal landing spot. And I'm getting, you know, Malik Willis second overall to Detroit. Obviously things can change there, but if you're talking just a complete prototype NFL workhorse running back, like Brees Hall is there. You mentioned it, the size, the speed, the receiving ability, the touchdown scoring prowess that he's shown at college. One of the most productive touchdown scorers that we've seen come out in recent memory. Um, 
we kind of talked about it uh, initially, but he kind of reminds us in terms of, you know, expected draft capital in terms of circumstance of what Rashad Penny was as a runner coming out. Obviously, with Brees Hall, you're getting a lot more pass-catching upside. But, I mean, we saw Penny down the stretch be a, legit, a legitimate top 10 type of NFL running back. And if we're getting that from Brees Hall combined with some receiving upside, I mean, we could be talking about a fantasy football league winner. Right, and hopefully better durability than Rashad Penny 100%, has been yes. so far in the NFL. But, yeah, like, the, the again, Rashad Penny – or, sorry, Brees Hall – where I have him ranked right now, I talked about it in the tail of the tape. He's an early second round talent for me. So he actually would not have been a top three running for uh, running back for me in last year's class. Najee Harris, Travis Etienne, Javante Williams all had higher grades for me in last year's class. But Brees Hall is still a very fine prospect. At the 101, we've kind of talked about this for months now. This draft class just isn't as strong at the top as last year's draft class. I only have three first round grades this year. I had 13 last year. So that is just uh, kind of the big difference between the high end talent in last year's class versus, you know, next year's class and, uh, and this year's class as well. So Brees Hall currently the one one RRB one consensus RB one for both of us consensus RB two Kenneth Walker running back from Michigan state, keep trade cuts one Oh two actually. So he is a little bit on the rise. He wasn't, you know, quite the one Oh two before it was typically Malik Willis was going there and some receivers even before Kenneth Walker, he is on the rise underdog ADP of 94.9 pros and cons with his game is pretty simple. He's very elusive. Great contact balance. One of the best pure runners in this class. Probably the best pure runner in this class. Graham Barfield's yards created had him in the 92nd percentile. So very good at creating on his own. He's also got great breakaway speed. Running a 4.38 at the combine or 4.39, whatever he ended up running. And he also is pretty solid size too. Five foot nine, 211 pounds. The, the cons, I mean, you guys know what we're going to say. Doesn't have a lot of receiving production. Not a great receiving profile. And also probably a lot of work to do in pass protection as well. So Kenneth Walker, our consensus RB2, a guy that I wouldn't take at 102 where he's currently being drafted in according to keep trade cut, but a guy that I'm more than fine taking in the top five. For sure. Uh, and again, uh, I just wanted to go back to, uh, in terms of Brees Hall, his actual underdog ADP on the current big board is 61 and a half, which if he's falling there. I mean, you're talking about the fifth round area. I would smash. Going back to Kenneth Walker, though. 102 in a rookie draft is a little steep for me in a super flex, given the fact that I value Malik Willis as high as I do, given the Konami code upside you have there. But if we're talking, you know, RB2, I think that's where he is appropriately stated. And it all comes down to that receiving upside, right? Because as a pure runner, I mean, Graham basically outlined it to a T. He is a 92nd percentile yards created uh, at a point in his actual system. You're talking about years and years of data. Kenneth Walker actually ranks in the 92nd percentile of yards created. So when you're talking about just elusiveness, speed, contact balance, pure running ability, I mean, Kenneth Walker has that J.K. Dobbins type of feel to him in terms of if he lands in the right spot with a good offense, you could be talking about one of the most efficient backs on the ground in the NFL. The main question mark here, obviously, is that receiving production. We're not just talking about a slight in his profile. We're talking about nearly nothing in his profile. I mean, 13 receptions this year really low t uh, target share in terms of that backfield. I mean, it is a worry. And now if we're going to bet on outliers, obviously, I mean, you're going to bet on one that has the elite athleticism that Kenneth Walker has, 439 type of athlete, good size, good running profile. If he is able to get used in that facet in the NFL, I mean, I think from a mechanical ability standpoint, he can suffice. It's just because he doesn't have that in that profile and Brees Hall does, you have to have Brees Hall at one uh, from a fantasy perspective, given the fact that receiving production is so valuable for fantasy points. Right. I think the only way I could put Kenneth Walker as RB1 is if I played in a standard league. It'd be the only way. If, if you're in any kind of PPR format, it's just he, he's got an uphill climb to become a receiving back at the next level, which is fine. We've seen, you know, running backs be 
productive for fantasy without 100%. being receiving backs. But even a guy like Nick Chubb, who's been very productive for fantasy, has never been a top five running back on any given season because he doesn't have that receiving production. So uh, it is a, a hurdle for Kenneth Walker. Hopefully he can get over it. But I mean, he's went to two colleges, uh, uh, Wake Forest and Michigan State. Neither of them used him as a as a receiving back. I doubt we're going to get a 70 reception back his rookie season. It'd be really, really shocking to me. And he'd be one of the biggest historical outliers of all time if something like that were to happen to him in the NFL. It's probably more likely that we get a, a check down artist at best at the next level. But like we said, his running ability is probably more than enough to suffice a top five rookie pick for you guys in Superflex drafts. Yeah, and uh, I mean, talking about his current standing in terms of underdog ADP, we're talking about the 94th overall pick. Again, if I'm building a more wide receiver quarterback heavy room and I can get Kenneth Walker as my RB2 at 95th overall, I mean, we're still talking about a top 45 expected draft capital back that should land in a situation for at least that running volume. It's just when we're talking about the opportunity cost in a rookie draft, it's not necessarily applying when you're taking the guy 95th overall and you know, you're surrounded by, you know, your Mike Williams and receivers like that. I'm fine with taking Walker in underdog fat, uh, drafts currently. Yep, for sure. So uh, you kind of teased it. We expect both of these top two backs to be off the board by the top 50, 100%. most likely in the NFL draft. This next back that we're going to talk about at one point was considered the RB1 by us, by many other people as well. Isaiah Spiller running back from Texas A&M currently keep trade cuts 111 in super flex draft. So about a, a turn pick, a one, two turn pick underdog ADP of 100.8. So this is a guy going right after Kenneth Walker, pretty much in underdog drafts in terms of pros and cons with Isaiah Spiller. They're again, pretty exhausted at this point in the off season, but the pros are that he's pretty elusive, good contact balance. He's able to create on his own. He has a good movement toolbox as our buddy Angelo kind of talked about with him. And he's also very physical, very good in pass protection. And most importantly, I think he's the best receiving back of these top three has the most diverse route tree was asked to win one-on-one -on, -one on the outside versus corners, linebackers, safeties, whatever, and also used in the slot on angle routes and that kind of stuff. So the receiving versatility is definitely in favor of Isaiah Spiller. The problem with Isaiah Spiller is that not only is he a worse athlete than Kenneth Walker and Brees Hall, he's probably three to four octaves lower of an athlete than yes. him. And, and he's, he might even be considered a bad athlete for the position altogether. And he also never really had elite level production uh, relative to the teammates in his backfield with uh, Devon A. Chain out producing him from like an efficiency standpoint. And also he can be a little over creative at time when you watch him on film. He doesn't necessarily have the best instincts in the world, but he's 20 and a half years old. He's still a young player. It's possible he gets better in that area. So with Isaiah Spiller, we, we have him at RB3, also with the expectation that we think he'll be the third running back picked in the NFL draft, or at least a top three running back picked in the NFL draft in this class. Um, Isaiah Spiller, to me, he, he's a dude that I probably hear, hear his name called in the early third round, late second round of the actual draft. For sure. And again, once we talk about these guys, uh, or you might have already seen the graphic, you'll, you will see a graphic, but basically we currently have Brees Hall in a tier of his own at RB1. Kenneth Walker in a tier of his own right now at RB2. Isaiah Spillow leading that next year for me. And I believe he's in a tier of his own for you, respectively. But you kind of outlined it to a T. The problem with Isaiah Spillow, obviously the pros you mentioned, elusiveness, contact balance, good build for uh, for the running back position. Obviously, he's about six foot, 220 pounds, which is as ideal as we can probably project at the running back position. But in terms of just playing the position as a whole, he needs a lot more nuance to his game. He needs a lot more time to develop and nurture into a proper NFL bell count. Now, can he develop into one for sure? But at this current point, given, as you mentioned, that over creativity and decisiveness to his game, it affects him. And I mean, when you're talking about that with a below average athlete, like if you're not decisive and you're not, you don't have the elite athleticism to take you out of spots like that, the next level, you could be facing some danger. Now, 
if you're talking about Spiller, if he lands in a spot where he can maybe learn for a year behind a veteran, develop, maybe, you know, get a part-time role this year and really take off into that work hole or workhorse type of role uh, starting next year. I think he'll be more than fine. It's just if a team's expecting him to be a day one above average starter, I think he has more learning to do with the running back position. So overall, I mean, RB three, I'm more than comfortable taking this guy in, you know, the mid second round at this current point of rookie drafts, but at the one eleven, and if, if I'm looking at, you know, wide receivers, like, Chris Olave, Jahan Dotson, Sky Moore, a couple of those quarterbacks, maybe one sneaks into the first round. The opportunity cost at that point is a little too steep for me. But again, if you're talking about the mid-second round, I think that's where this a home run swing to take on Spiller would be taken. Yeah, and it, again, this is all going to depend on where he goes in the draft, yeah. where he gets drafted. If he goes in the top 40 overall picks, we might have to you know change our tune a little of bit. Course. but. Like you said with Isaiah Spiller, it almost kind of reminds me of Antonio Gibson because he didn't play running back in college, so he had to learn the position. We've seen kind of a little bit of a learning curve from a, an efficiency standpoint with him. But the difference between those two guys is that Antonio Gibson is like a, a 100th percentile athlete versus Isaiah Spiller, who's not nearly uh, the athlete that uh, Antonio Gibson is. So um, Isaiah Spiller, again, a, a very divisive topic this offseason. We've been talking about him back and forth on Twitter with people. Some people hate him. Some people love him. There is really no in-between with Isaiah Spiller. We're kind of just lukewarm on Isaiah Spiller at this point. We're going to take our shot on him in the early to mid-second round, but 111 is a little bit too steep unless we get some ungodly landing spot with really high draft capital and you know the guys below him maybe uh, not so elite landing spots as well. So I'm the next running back, more, go ahead. Going to add one more thing too in terms of his underdog uh, big board ADP, currently 101 off the board. I mean, if Kenneth Walker's going at 95, like there should not be only a six pick discrepancy because of the expected draft capital, because of the athleticism, because of the potential to gain a workhorse role right out of college. I just see it more projectable with Kenneth Walker than I do with Spiller. So I actually don't like this value for him at 101 overall in those current drafts. Right. The receiving ability is going to have to be 100%. his calling card, I think, at the next level. He's going to have to be able to get into a position where he's going to be utilized as a receiver. So hopefully wh whatever team he gets drafted to, hopefully they don't have a receiving back on the roster. Hopefully it's like Houston where they have a three down workload fully available to him. So the next guy that we're going to talk about RB4 for both of us and our consensus RB4 is Tyler Algier running back from BYU currently keep trade cuts 306. So a pretty big difference between him and the other guys that we've talked about right now. And his underdog ADP is 186.3. So a guy that you're getting, you know, the double digit rounds of these big board drafts. Tyler Algier, to me, the, the reason I like him as my RB4 is because he has a pretty complete skill set. I comp to James Robinson because James Robinson also, you know, not an elite athlete, but 77th percentile relative athletic score for Tyler Algier is definitely more than adequate for the position. Contact balance out the wazoo, tough, physical, former linebacker. He's got that mentality to him. He's a complete tone setter. setter for sure. Pass protection, probably the best in this class, I think, uh, in pass protection. The only problem that I have with Tyler Algier, like I said, is he's not an elite athlete. Um, he's a little bit more straight line than you'd love to see from a running back. You like to see him be a little bit more, you know, have a little bit more wiggle, a little bit shiftier. And he's also not expected to probably be drafted in the top 75 overall picks, like the first three guys that we've talked about. And there's a chance that he slides, you know, to the fourth, fifth, sixth round of the NFL draft. So this position and, and pretty much all of these guys that we're going to talk about and the honorable mentions we're going to have is really all going to come down to draft capital, landing spot, opportunity, because like Danny talked about at the beginning of the video, the running back position is reliant on coaching. You need you only have one running back on the field for the most part. So you need those opportunities. You need that snap share. doesn't really matter how good of a player you might be. 
because we fall in love with, you know, talented running backs all the time that don't get the opportunity. And if you get drafted in the sixth round and you're Tyler Algier, there's a, there's a very low likelihood that you're going to get the opportunity versus a third round Brian Robinson, for example. I mean, I, it's funny you mentioned that. Like, uh, there's so many cases every year where we'll see a running back. I mean, just talking about uh, landing spot and situation versus well, Kenneth Gainwell went in the fifth round last year, and a yeah. lot of people liked Kenneth Gainwell. Well, I, I'm even saying from an NFL standpoint, like it took Aaron Jones a couple years to get out of Jamal Williams' way. Like the Packers, even though Aaron Jones was clearly the better running back, did not give him that full workload until probably a year and a half after uh, the situation when everybody was projecting him to be that breakout. That's what happens in the NFL. Realistically, like as much as we like talented guys and we want to take talented guys, sometimes when it comes to the running back position, they don't get that opportunity. And projecting, you know, day three type of guys, like it's going to matter. I mean, that, that draft capital, that situation that you get put into is going to matter. But going back to Tyler Algier, I just had a complete, you know, cut off there, but going back to Algier, I mean, you mentioned it. He's got size. He's got physicality. He's got a three down type of skill set, similar to a James Robinson type. So if he goes, you know, third, fourth round, Lansing, maybe like a Houston has an opportunity to get that workload. I think Tyler Algier is going to be a very good value. So you're talking about, you know, the 301 currently in rookie drafts. I'm more than fine swinging for the fences on the upside that I think Algier possesses at that spot. Yeah. And I would say if he goes third round to Houston, he's probably going to be a mid second round pick in rookie drafts. People aren't stupid. They know that, you know, a third round pick to a team with devoid of running back talent is probably going to go higher in the draft. At that point, I would be comfortable taking him, but I would also be comfortable taking him if he slides to the fifth, sixth round and he's suddenly a mid to late third round pick because we don't really know what his upside is. At that point in the draft, especially with this draft class that really falls off after about the first 15, 20 players or so, I'm okay just taking the upside swing on Tyler Algier. So for better or for worse, if he goes in the third round, if he goes in the fifth round, I'm still going to be willing to take a shot on Tyler Algier. Where he actually ends up in our post-draft rankings is, like we said, all going to depend on where the other guys go, how high they go, what landing spots they go to, et cetera, et cetera. So the fifth guy that we're going to get into is Damian Pierce, running back from the Florida Gators. Keep trade cut value currently of 301. Uh, underdog ADP in the 220. So borderline undrafted type of dude in underdog big board drafts, a phenomenal value in my opinion, if you guys are doing drafts right now, much like Tyler Algier, he actually does have, I would say a pretty similar skill set. but the difference between him and Tyler Algier is Damian Pierce is a lot more twitchy. He's a lot more sudden and he's a lot shiftier uh, in terms of yards created. He scored as the fourth highest running back in this class um, behind Kenneth Walker, Brees Hall, and actually James Cook, who's a lot smaller than him. Uh, and he was, you know, very sparingly used in college. That's pretty much the big knock against him is that his production isn't very good. Never handled a, a big workload. Only had a couple games this year of only 10 touches uh, or more. Uh, the explosiveness is there. The size is there. He's five foot uh, 10, 218 pounds. Physicality, creativity, good receiver as well. One of the most efficient receiving backs in this class. And even though he only had 120 touches on the year, 20 of those were receptions or 19 of those were receptions. So a guy with, again, a three down skill set, pretty much what you talked about already. The only problem is he's a big time projection. And also we don't know where he's going to get drafted either. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's funny because uh, we, we love talking, you know, production profile, analytical profile, which I mean, Damian Pierce is probably the biggest fade of for, in the, in the analytics community. I mean, you're talking about a guy who hasn't even commanded a workload in college and he's as old as he is. I mean, he's what, 23 years old. Uh, he's only 22 years old. He's 22, 21 years old. 
regardless though from an analytical standpoint he is he would be an outlier but i mean you you turn on the tape of this guy we mentioned tone setter for algier i mean damian pierce is also a tone setter you talk about thick explosive back that can finish through contact contact i mean damian pierce has all those skills to a t and talk about efficiency i mean he was playing obviously in a, a weird situation a weird offense with florida i think i mean anybody who watched that florida offense operate will agree under that and yet he still produced pretty good efficiency. I mean, talking about 5.7 yards per carry, obviously graded extremely well in yards created, 19 receptions, 216 yards, three touchdowns, 16 total touchdowns on 119 touches, which is an absurd conversion rate if you're to take, you know, overall touches, two touchdowns. But, I mean, that's just the type of player that Damian Pierce represents with that size, with that twitchiness you represented. He is going to be a better pro than he was a college athlete, straight up. I mean, if he lands third round, Philadelphia Eagles, book it in. This guy's going to have an opportunity to develop into that three down back. The only problem is given that production profile, maybe he isn't that guy right away. Yeah, exactly. What we're hoping for all these guys is just let them get into the third round. Third yes. round, we can rationalize taking a mid-second round, late second round flyer on these guys in rookie drafts, which is about as high as I'd be willing to take Damian Pierce if he does get picked in the top 100 overall picks or whatever. So uh, that 301 keep trade cut value that he currently has, I think is warranted. I would be more than willing to spend a third round pick on this guy, even if he went, you know, in the sixth round of the NFL draft. If he has a decent landing spot with some potential opportunity, even as like a handcuff or something, I'm still willing to spend an early third round pick yes. on Damian Pierce. So um, a couple guys that we have as honorable mentions, we have James Cook, uh, Brian Robinson, Zonovan Knight, uh, Pierre Strong, Rashad White, um, a couple other guys too, Zamir White, all the other dudes that we've talked about so far. Like we kind of said, from Tyler Algier on, these guys are all going to shake itself out based on where they get drafted and how high they get drafted because we can't really project all of these like middling third to fourth round caliber prospects until we know where they're going in the NFL draft. So maybe you guys are absolutely upset that we didn't include Rashad White here. Well, the reason we didn't include Rashad White, number one, I talked about how he's one of the most overrated prospects in this class, which you guys can check out a few videos ago, but also he's expected to go at pick like 117.5, according to grinding the mock. So he's also not expected to get drafted very highly as well. Some of the guys that we do expect to get drafted a little bit higher than maybe anticipated would be James Cook. I think he's probably locked in to be a top three-round pick, to be honest. And same goes with Brian Robinson from Alabama. They're both from huge schools. Zamir White from Georgia, also possibility that he goes in the top three rounds of the NFL draft. These big school guys could definitely push these smaller school committee backs like Bam Knight, Pierre Strong, you know, et cetera, down the board because um, – the NFL is always going to overvalue players that come from Alabama and Georgia and stuff. Yeah, no, uh, I fully. And again, the, the reason why, you know, a guy like James Cook, like James Cook is really, really good at these, uh, what he does. The only problem is, as we know in the NFL, they're going to see a 5'11", 190 pound running back and they're going to be like, okay, yeah, no, you're a third down back. You're not a main workhorse. Exactly. And he's got a great skill set. He's very elusive. Yep. He's got home run speed. He's a good athlete, great receiver. And, and more, even more so than Isaiah Spiller, I would say he's got that, that advanced skill set of running on the outside, running in the slot, et cetera. And the blueprint for him is he's got to turn into like Alvin Kamara and have an Alvin Kamara type of workload. But Alvin Kamara's don't come around very often. It's a very, very difficult task to live up to that Alvin Kamara, even Austin Eckler type of um, type of skill set and type of workload for fantasy. So Again, with the running back position, we went a little bit shorter than we're going to go for wide receivers. Wide receivers will probably cover 10 names because the class is deeper and we have a little bit more of, a, of an idea. And um, th those guys are going to be a little bit more solidified for us. With the with the running back position, there's just so many guys that could fit into any which order. If you guys had you know, Rashad White as RB4 and Zamir White as RB5, who are my current RB10 and 12, 
then I wouldn't totally blame you because it, it, this, this running back class outside of the top two guys, really, and three, if you want to include Spiller, is all up in the air. We have no idea how the NFL is going to value these guys, and I think it's going to change from team to team. Well, yeah, I mean, no, we, we talked about it with Hayden a, a few weeks ago, but realistically, uh, I mean, Hayden said this too, but between like RBs 4 and 13 this year, like if you had my RB 13, RB 4, I wouldn't bat an eye and vice versa because, I mean, it's that ambiguous. It is that dependent on who goes where and who goes when. Exactly, yeah. Um, Scott Barrett, like Graham Barfield said, there's 13 Alexander Madisons in this class, which yeah. is very possible that all these guys end up as handcuffs and nothing more. But at the same time, you know, even though it's a down running back class and a down class overall, we still want to be excited about these guys and still get excited about their landing spots. So if you guys did enjoy this video, like I said, we made reference to underdog fantasy throughout this entire video. If you guys want to go take advantage of some of those ADPs, use promo code FSE at sign up and first deposit as a thank you. You'll get a hundred percent deposit match back on whatever you put in from them. And you'll also get our dynasty rankings manifesto where you can get a running back wide receiver, quarterback, tight end, rookie rankings, super flex, one quarterback, uh, bucketed anking, uh, rankings by age. All that stuff is available in our rankings manifesto, which you can get either by signing up on Patreon or using our code on Underdog Fantasy. Like I said, hit, hit the like button if you guys enjoyed this video. Comment any of your thoughts down below as well. Who's the most underrated back? Who's the most overrated back? Who's your favorite back? Who's your biggest sleeper? Comment all that down below. Subscribe to the channel as well. If we haven't already hit 10,000 subscribers, it means we're still asking for help. So hit the subscribe button if you haven't already done so. Danny, any closing thoughts before we get out of here? Nothing other than the fact that Enjoy this week. It's draft week, baby. Thursday. I mean, we'll we'll see if the Cowboys mess up for me. We'll see if the Buccaneers mess up for you. But either way, we're gonna have a lot of fun watching that stream. And if you guys have no other plans, Thursday to Saturday, stay tuned because the FSC boys will be live. Yep. Grab some drinks and come hang out with us. Peace Amen. out, and we'll talk to you soon.